Good morning, my dear friends, and welcome to another episode of the Painting Pictures Podcast. I'm Gabriel Roberts, and I'm coming to you from northern Vermont, where we are officially in heating season, which means my little feet are going into socks, never to come out until probably next May. It's been a nice almost four months of being able to walk around my house barefoot, being able to get in bed without uh, being cold. (laughs) It's kind of a sad realization as my wife and I got in bed last night. Here we are again, about to embark on another seven, eight months of just always often being a little bit cold. But hey, that's the trade-off. Right? It's freaking beautiful out here in Vermont. The leaves are changing, and uh, there's a fly dying on the windowsill, probably probably freezing to death. (laughs) How are you doing out there, dear listeners? How is life? How is summer? How is summer wrapping up? If you're out west, you're probably tired of breathing smoke. My goodness, that's a scary situation. If you're in college, you're probably thinking about killing yourself. That's what the CDC reports. One in four United States citizens surveyed between the ages of 18 and 24 have seriously considered suicide in the past 30 days. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a lot. (laughs) And I don't know about you, but I don't blame them. I went to college And I remember that it was all about the parties, yo. It was about chicks, and it was about parties. I didn't, you know, didn't really score any chicks, and I felt super uncomfortable at most parties. But that was an important part of my development, you know, drinking too much and throwing up on people's sofas, experiencing, you know, blacking out from drinking too much, um... You know, getting 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 a slap on the wrist for hosting beer pong tournaments in my dorm room. Like, what? This isn't. I'm not allowed to. We're not. We're not supposed to have beer pong tournaments in our dorm rooms. I didn't know. Nobody told me. But no, now college kids are getting more than just a slap on the wrist. They are getting kicked out of school with no reimbursement of tuition which as we know is like 30 or 40 grand a year in some places getting kicked out for uh mingling in you know groups of more than whatever it is five getting kicked out for touching each other for kissing probably um being ratted out by fellow students and they're probably thinking my god I just made it through 18 fucking years of public school system, well, minus five, right? Because they get those glorious five years of being a child and not going to school. After which point their identity identity basically revolves around school for a lot of people, their grades and their tests and their trajectory. and And all the while they're living at home, of course, their children. This is just a, this is a gross generalization, you understand. But you finally get to college and you're like, okay, I can finally make my own decisions. And I'm going to make some really bad decisions. <laughs> first of all, first thing, the first night that I get to school, the first thing I'm going to do is go ba- make some bad choices. And I'm going to deal with the consequences. Not mom and dad. Mom and dad are never going to know. And I'm going to deal with the consequences and I'm going to find out what I really care about. And I'm going to find out that, uh, you know, 27 liquor shots in a night is too many. Okay. But you just can't, you can't teach that to people. None of that's going on. I don't know what's going on, but I know that one in four college kids have thought about killing themselves in the past 30 days. And, Uh, I'm just going out on a limb here and saying that has something to do with the radical restructuring of our society whereby 
people are no longer supposed to touch other people. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that has had some effect on people's uh, sense of of purpose and joy in life. Because when you're in college, you don't fucking know what your purpose is, okay? Unless you're one of those very special, very nerdy people that knows exactly what you want to do. And some of those people are probably embracing this. There's no distractions. They're getting to really hit the books hard. They're getting to really study something. And that's great. But the fact is, they should should have to deal with some distractions. They should have to deal with the fact that there's other there's more to life than this academic trajectory that they've been on for their entire childhood. Don't you think? I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's better that our our young people are just uh, locked up in their dorm rooms and on computers in front of screens attending virtual classes all day and wearing masks when they walk around and not partying and not making bad decisions. But the point is, when you're that age, you're figuring yourself out. You're figuring out what you're going to do. You're you're finally at that point where you can feel the difference between having mom and dad there to buffer your decisions, to evaluate your decisions, to criticize, to compliment. You're finally at that point where that goes away. They drop you off at school, they go away, and it's just you and your computer and your video games, and your stash of marijuana. Okay, that was my experience, and it was fucking awesome. That was the most thrilling. I still remember that day at UC Davis, my dorm room on the third floor, my window, and uh, setting up my computer, and mom and dad saying, okay, <laughs> I guess, I guess we'll see you later. My God, the excitement. Sure, if I could go back and do it all again, I wouldn't go to a four-year college. And maybe that's going to be the takeaway. And maybe that's going to be the silver lining in all this is all these kids are going to stop wasting money on a college and just actually start doing something that they're interested in. But for a lot of people, college is the way to get out of their home environment, get out of the place where they know they don't belong, meet new people, mingle with new people, explore their sexuality find their purpose and oftentimes that involves just doing a lot of things you thought you wanted to do until you're fucking sick of them and then you start doing what you actually care about and so what if it costs a shitload of money that's a valuable experience and college kids are are not getting that and they're uh they're suicidal they're fucking suicidal people this is what's happening (laughs) this is what's happening right now Our young people, 18 to 24 years old, can we stop vilifying them? Can we stop criticizing them that they're somehow doing something wrong? Oh, they spend all their time on their fucking cell phones. Big deal. They've been conditioned to do that. They've been given cell phones since they could fucking open their eyes. They don't know. And now here they are in college and they can't even have any fun. And they're thinking about killing themselves. Do you think the 75-year-old-plus people that we're theoretically protecting by altering our entire fucking society, do you think they're happy about that? Do they think, oh, well, that's a good trade-off. One in four college kids wants to kill themselves. That's worth it for me so I can live for maybe three or four more years. Let's think about that, folks. Hate to lecture you right off the bat, but, oof, man. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's bad. That's a bad thing to look at. That's sad. And again, the only way out of this is kids got to just say, fuck it. I'm not paying for school. If this is the experience I'm getting and they got to go find something else and we got to help them find something else to do. We really do. We really have got to reach out to the young people in our community and we've got to show them this is what I do. Hey, I'm an adult. I went through that time. This is what I found. This is what works for me. Here's a way that you can get involved in something and start doing something. Because believe it or not, these kids don't want to just, I mean, yes, they want to party, but like ultimately they want to feel like uh, productive members of society and uh, shut down masked, socially distanced college experience 
is just not going to get them there. I mean, it's going to turn them, it's going to just, they're just going to break down. The ones that don't kill themselves are going to basically be dead. <laughs> anyway, with the fucking jobs or whatever they're going to take. Oh, I better, I guess I might as well get a job as a contact tracer, right? Anyway, folks, um, if you're interested in learning more about this this viral issue right now, the best video I've seen to date is from the Fat Emperor, Ivor Cummins. If you go to the website for the podcast, GabeRobertsArt.com, check out Ivor's recent video. It's about a half hour long, and he breaks down um, a number of things about this virus in such an elegant fashion. And it's so brief and succinct and effective. And the biggest takeaway for me is that these, this virus and this disease is affected more by the environment than it is by human behavior. And I think that's the, um, the sort of the split that we are approaching as a society and when it comes to health in particular. On the one hand, you're going to believe that you are essentially powerless as a human being to control your health. And random viruses can come out of the sky and kill you and kill your loved ones. And the only way to deal with that is to not associate with other human beings or take some sort of pharmaceutical product. And then the other side of that split is the recognition of how things behave based on environmental factors and the uh, path to understanding those environmental factors that affect the virus and that affect your body and your health and the way that you manifest disease. And I think that if you're going to go down the first path, the pharmaceutically dependent path where we blame viruses for disease, what you're going to have to do is ignore all of the environmental factors that are out there. And that's largely, I think, my big problem or a big problem with the narrative around COVID-19 is that we talk about cases and we talk about testing and we talk about social distancing and we talk about lockdowns and we talk about masks and what we don't talk about is the things that are actually correlated with higher rates of disease and those are things like obesity vitamin d deficiency and pm 2.5 air pollution those are all things that you can look at and you can compare them to disease and you can see really strong correlations if you take things like strictness of lockdown and compare them to disease you're not going to find any correlations the great example right now is Sweden, which we've somehow forgotten about, I guess, or we don't talk about anymore, because guess what? The United States just passed Sweden for most deaths per million of the population from the coronavirus. So back in March and April, when I was talking about Sweden and people were saying, hey, look, Sweden didn't lock down. They never closed their bars, their restaurants, their primary schools, their borders. They never once encouraged people to wear masks. Yes, they did do things, whatever. But those are big things, right? Those are pretty big things. People never were forced to shut down their businesses and school children were never forced to stay home and people were never forced to wear masks. And back in March and April, everyone said, oh, well, look, they've got way more deaths per million than the United States. It's a fucking catastrophe over there. Way more deaths per million than their neighbors, Norway and Finland. And Sweden, the New York Times called Sweden a cautionary tale for what happens if the U.S. opens too early. Well, guess what, New York Times? A little while ago, as we continue with our COVID deaths, the USA just passed Sweden. So there goes all of the arguments that lockdowns and social distancing and masks are vitally important and that not doing any of that shit is going to lead you into catastrophe. If you look at the deaths per million of population, the number two country in the world is Peru, with almost a 1,000 deaths per million from COVID-19. 
Sweden has 580. What's interesting about Peru is that they did and have done and are continuing a massive, strict military lockdown throughout the entire country. Okay? And they've got almost twice as many deaths as Sweden. So I don't know how you can look at those two numbers and say that lockdowns and masks do jack shit. (laughs) You just have to ignore it. Well, let's throw Peru out. Yeah, let's throw, most importantly, let's throw Sweden out, right? If we can throw Sweden out of the picture, boy, it sure makes a lot easier to make those arguments. Well, sorry, folks, Sweden's still there, and I'm not going to forget about it. And hopefully we'll get Ida back on here in a little bit, and uh, and she can tell us how things are going in Sweden. But anyway, you got to look at environmental factors. And the really interesting thing that... Ivor Cummins breaks down is that respiratory diseases like influenza, epidemic influenza, behave very differently according to the climate zone. And this has to do largely with the humidity of the air and the way that viruses travel. And the the graph of disease, if you you look at the mortality from COVID-19 in places like Northern Europe and the Northeastern United States, what you see is the Gumpert's curve, it's called. It's a really steep, dramatic spike in mortality, followed by an almost as steep decline, and then a gradual petering out. And that's what we see in the northeastern United States, and that's what we see all across northern Europe. And it matches perfectly with the charts of epidemic influenza that this Dr. Hope Simpson was studying 100 years ago. Um looking at the trajectory of influenza in in different areas of the world. And then if you look at other countries in other climate zones, say you look at the um, sort of more tropical countries, like in South America, like if you look at Brazil, for example, or Peru, or you look at the southwestern United States, you know, you look at Arizona and California and Texas, You'll see, and this is all this. This incidentally, the the spike occurs at a very particular time in the year, right? The spike for the northeastern U.S. and for the most of Europe occurs in February, March, and that's exactly what we saw with COVID. The spike in mortality for these more temperate uh, tropical regions is a lot more gradual, and it takes place a lot later in the year. It's more of a hump. And this, the peak is more like in the summertime, in May, June, July. And that's exactly what we've seen with COVID-19. So the idea that somehow the virus just didn't migrate over to the West Coast or the, the states in the West, you know, opened up too soon or something. I mean, that's a fucking stretch, If you look at the way these sorts of diseases have played out for hundreds of years in our society, and you look at these different climate areas, the breakdown is so clear and obvious. It's this more gradual hump of disease, and it takes place later in the year, and that's just exactly what we've seen playing out. So it's like eye-opening to see, wow, guess what? COVID-19 is kind of a lot like other diseases and viruses in the past. Is that really that much of a surprise to us? It shouldn't be, but it's a marvelous uh, visual because it makes so much more sense than whatever explanation they cobble together based on cherry-picking states and practices and you know saying of course the problem is the problem is students on spring break and the problem is fucking redneck republican states opening up too soon. Again, that's ignoring environmental factors and that's saying that we humans in our society and the rules that we implement and our behavior are going are gonna to control how this virus moves. And viruses have been around for 40 million years. 40 million years. <laughs> and they've been all over the globe. You know? And now we think that we're totally in the driver's seat with this one. Imagine looking down at these people running around with masks if you're a virus. And you're, you've gone around the globe six times and people are still talking about slowing the spread of COVID-19. What a joke. 
So again, we got to think about the environmental factors. We really do. We really got to look at them because they're out there and people are studying them and people are looking. And the USA is way up there in, in mortality from this thing. And is that because we don't follow directions? That's what people want to say, right? Well, what if it had something to do with the fact that there's a lot of fat people in the United States? A lot of diabetics in the United States. A lot, a lot of unhealthy people that are showing to be the risk factors for this disease. Like, that's such an obvious contributing factor, right, folks? Doesn't that, doesn't that make sense? I don't know. I, 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 these rants are obviously not that helpful, but just to just to to finish that one up, we're now spending over one billion dollars as a country on COVID nineteen tests every week, and we're completely restructuring our society. This is changing everybody's lives in some way. It's changing the way that we do business. It's changing the way that we interact with each other. Okay, so just imagine if you had a billion dollars a week and could completely restructure society, do you think that you could possibly improve people's health a little bit? (laughs) The 0.26% or whatever percent, probably more like 0.1% by the time you factor in the fact that everybody has been exposed to this virus. The 0.1% of us that has some adverse reaction to this virus. Do you think with a billion dollars a week and completely restructuring the society, we could make those people a little bit healthier? This is not some pie in the sky thing, guys. Um, this is, this is the choice here. This is the choice. It's we double down and we continue down this path and we say we need more testing and we say we need more drugs and we say, say we need a vaccine and we ignore all of the environmental factors and all the fucking toxic shit that we're swimming in right now and say, nah, that probably has nothing to do with it. Let's just focus on this virus and let's just, uh, let's just change our lives completely and make life a little bit less fun for everybody forever. Um, in order to potentially, potentially save some people. Um, or we say, no, fuck that. Why don't we address some of the real tangible issues that even if people don't die from COVID, being obese and diabetic and impoverished and uneducated kind of sucks. So why don't we just start with that? Why don't we start with the things that we know make a difference? And I don't know that it's going to happen through our government, guys. I, I don't think it is. It may be you know, that's a nice idea. But I think that's probably the takeaway from this. And that's probably why I shouldn't be doing rants like this is because it's, it's, it's looking at the same lens. It's trying to argue on the same playing field as the bullshit that got us into this situation, which is, oh, if we can, you know, analyze the population for risk factors and implement these different practices, yada, 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 yada. But that's politics, right? That's politics. And if you're paying taxes, then your money's going going to this whole machine. And so, you know, you could argue that maybe we should try to steer the machine in a more productive direction. But I think I'm going to be switching to just no government arguing for anarchy and arguing for hyper-local community-based solutions. And so that's, uh, that's where I'm heading, I think. I, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be participating much in this discussion anymore. But it's been kind of fun. It's been pretty fun to watch my, uh, my panicked rant back in April and the, the vehement replies I got on Facebook and to go back and look at some of the things that I was talking about and, and look at how they've played out and, uh, and realize that I was pretty much right about everything. (laughs) And I think that it's important 
maybe to have this discussion, but uh, ultimately, no. I think I think it's you've got it. You're, you're just going to have to make that choice and decide how do we want to live. How do we want to live as a society? And if if life is is not touching and wearing masks all the time, I'm not interested in that. And I I'll bet you most 75 year olds in care homes are also not interested in that. Right? The people we're supposedly protecting, do you think they want their grandchildren not being able to touch other children or wear masks in school? You know, who are we doing this for? Who are we doing this for? Look around you. Find the people that you're supposedly protecting. Ask them, do you want me to, uh, do you want me to live this way? Do you want our society to change to now we're all we're talking about is access to the internet for remote learning for children because oh we know there's going to be another virus and obviously the whole idea of kids going to school and interacting with each other is just broken or the whole idea of people going to big concerts and football games and gatherings and that's just not going to fly anymore folks that's just not you know it was nice you know whatever a couple million years of human history of uh or it's probably not that long i I don't know a few thousand years of human history it was nice you know getting to interact with people but ultimately well that's the lesson we learned in 2020 that's just not gonna fly so we just we need computers and we need bill gates and we need elon musk and we need to do away with cash and we need masks every day and that's just that's just how it is guys and i'm sorry you know it was nice (laughs) the good old days If you're 18 to 24, you're seeing that coming and you're saying, fuck this. I am far too angsty. I don't have nearly enough self-confidence. I don't have any concept of life after these next couple years that I've looked forward to for the past 10 years of freedom. I don't see any bridge into a future as an adult where I'm happy, where I've found my spouse, where I'm making babies and having a family. So I'm thinking about killing myself. Sorry to make it such a downer, but that's where we're at, folks. Oh, brother. So let's let's turn it around. Let's take off our masks. Let's accept the fact that this virus has gone around the globe six times. Let's understand the fact that uh, most of us are not susceptible to this. Let's understand the fact that this virus has never gone exponentially in any country, in any situation, anywhere in the world, this virus and its death rate has never, ever grown exponentially. Not once. Everywhere, it's reached that 20% or so infection, and it has come down the curve. So what that means is that most of us are not susceptible to this virus, and All of us have probably been exposed to this virus already. So what the fuck are we doing? (laughs) Let's wake up, folks. Let's Let's find some young people in your area and help them. Please help them understand that there's a future out there. And figure, you got to figure out what that future looks like for you first so that you can be that bridge to them. What do you like about life? What do you like about yourself? What do you appreciate about who you are and what you have to offer? And what do you want to do in this world? And start doing it and start finding people that want to do that. And stop sitting on your ass and fucking listening to the news and just hoping that you land on the right side of the fucking argument. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's thanks for listening to that. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I've got something to share for you. This is something I recorded back in uh, California a few weeks ago when I was there helping my dad clean out his house. And um, I do really appreciate you listening to that rant. And I'm sorry for all the profanity. Send me questions uh, to GabeRoberts at gmail.com. Again, go to the website, GabeRobertsArt.com. Check out that video from Ivor Cummins. It really breaks down the whole thing. Keep in mind, this guy's an engineer. This guy's vaccinated all of his children. He's completely down with vaccines and that technology, okay? And he's looking at this world we're living in. He's in Scotland or Ireland. He's in Ireland. And he's calling bullshit, and he's doing it in such a beautiful way simple scientific way 
And um, anyway, I can't recommend that video highly enough. And I'm grateful to you for joining. I'm grateful for you for listening to this rant and for, um, you know, whatever, for being you. So now on to more of a lighthearted rant and a little story from Carmichael, California, where this podcast all began. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I will see you on the other side. Check, check, mic, check, mic, check, mic, check. I don't know where this fits in, folks. I don't know if this is the beginning of the podcast or the middle of the podcast or the end of the podcast, but here I am coming to you from Carmichael, California, where it all began way back in 2014 on the very first episode of the Painting Pictures podcast. I think at that time I told some jokes that I'd told at a local comedy club and that didn't go so well. And I think I said that I had masturbated and that I lived with my parents. Um, not much has changed, really. S- same old me. I still have jokes. I'd, I haven't been to a comedy club. I, my, my comedy clear, career did not progress perhaps as I had hoped at that point or maybe thought or implied by saying I was going to a comedy club, but really it doesn't matter now because there are no comedy clubs because we're in the age of COVID. So I'm, it's a good thing I didn't bother like trying to build up a bunch of fucking rapport, putting in my time at some comedy club to gradually make my way up to, in the ranks because now there is no there is no comedy <laughs> there's certainly no comedy clubs there's still comedy i guess i, I was very disappointed re- listening to a recent podcast of two comedians that i loved and that to me were the the shining beacons of what it could be like to be a comedian and have a podcast and they live in la and they're right in the middle of covid and they're not talking about it at all they're just like talking about other things, talking about aliens. And I get it. I think it's at some point, like how much can you talk, can you talk about COVID? But I feel like it's, it's false to talk about things as if we're not living in this different paradigm and to, in a sense, silence is violence. You know what I mean? Yo, to not talk about COVID is fucked up. (laughs) You got to talk about COVID. I'm here back in the house where I grew up in, where where I lived from when I was a wee, knee-high to a grasshopper, for all through high school, college at UC Davis, not far away, then San Francisco, then back here, always this house, coming back to this house, until I finally, right when I started recording this podcast, and it's thanks to you, Charlie, really, you've been here with me for this whole journey. It's just once I started talking to you that I, I busted my way out of this place. Not that I hadn't gotten out, but I really got out there and went to Colorado and my whole my whole life took off, you know? And ever since then, I come back to Sacramento and I feel like a man amongst boys. I was out with my dad tonight and looking at the average... <laughs> the average Sacramentan, I'm sorry, but it's pretty weak. I'm just I'm I'm sorry to say it, but suburban Sacramentans, it's you've got you've got uh, you've got some catching up to do when it comes to like being a competent person, <laughs> able to actually do things. I don't want to just rag on Sacramentans, but I do feel like life has 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 given me some like some chops in the past few years i know what the fuck i'm doing and i didn't and part of it is 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 this contrast between when i used to live here and i was just i feel like i was an awkward high school student for all of the time that i was in carmichael basically in sacramento every time i would come back here 
and I found these little ways to think that I was having fun or being cool, you know, smoking weed and like going and driving around down by the river and like playing sports, which is cool. But when it when it came to any kind of like interacting in public, I just felt like small. I felt insubstantial. I felt needy in need of female attention and uh I saw I was focused on or not focused on but I was like felt inferior in a way to most of the other people out there I just felt unable to like interact with random people socially or carry myself in public and now it's the complete opposite. I go out and I just feel like I own the place. I feel like I'm walking around a bunch uh, around a bunch of fucking children that are asleep. Like I could just walk up to anybody and just be like, "Give me all your money." <laughs> and be like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I don't know. Except for the ding-dongs driving big trucks, I guess. Like there's still those aggressive assholes that used to intimidate me. But now I kind of feel like those people were probably my friends, you know, because we both support Donald Trump. I could probably be like, yeah, Trump. Just kidding. I don't support Donald Trump. But I had a five minute interaction with my neighbor who has been my neighbor. And she pointed out that she remembers me when I was this high. And she reached down to her below her vagina. (laughs) I don't know why you thought she was reaching to her vagina level, but past that. I was shorter than the height of her vagina when we first met. And we had a five-minute interaction. It was nice. She she quieted her usual uh, barking dogs, which she's always had. I don't know if she's always she's had a dog, <laughs> the same dog, for 25 years. That's my impression. She's always had two dogs, one big dog and one little dog, and they both fucking bark all the time. Anyway, sweet, really sweet, cool neighbor. And we talked for like three minutes and one and a half minutes were her telling me how much she hated Donald Trump. I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. I do too, obviously, but I just like, I don't even, I don't even want to go there with people. Um, And you don't know, like, okay, do you need me to tell you if I like Donald Trump or not? Honestly, no. Honestly, obviously not. I don't need, we don't need to go there. I mean, we don't even, if you really need me to talk about that, then just, (laughs) let's just not, right? But we can talk about COVID, I guess. Um, What's the deal? So I've been out in Sacramento a couple of times, and it's spooky seeing the streets of downtown Sacramento. They are eerily quiet, and a lot of businesses are boarded up, like big sheets of plywood over their windows. One of them was a liquor store and it had banners on its plywood covering its windows saying, we're open. (laughs) Great. Great. I want to go in there. And lots of homeless people on the street. I mean, there have always been homeless people in Sacramento, but I, in the small sample of a few blocks that I walked last night, it seemed like there were more homeless people than usual. And there's a lot of uh, part um, office buildings that are empty now because everyone's working from home. And who is taking up residence in those office complexes but homeless people? I got to tell you, if I were a homeless person, Sacramento would be pretty sweet because there is no winter. And right now there's a lot of abandoned office parks. So you probably can just like be chilling in a courtyard. They're probably like making mandalas and like cairns on the like trash cans and having a great old time and then the random (laughs) office workers that are coming in on that random day to like mail something are just swarmed by homeless people or maybe not maybe they never leave maybe they sit down and meditate with the homeless people in front of the little trees that are planted in the middle of the concrete courtyard and and then they start they start a new company they all get together and they make like the most amazing business plan ever made. It's the greatest, you know, when Jack Black sings about the greatest song, imagine these homeless people just coming up with the greatest business plan. It's so good that they all become millionaires and it's because it's the perfect business plan. And isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a triumph of human ingenuity? 
That's the pinnacle. That's what Elon Musk did, folks. And it could happen to you. Yeah, that's what Bill Gates did. If you are, if you're clever enough, if you're smart enough, and you can just really iron it out, you know, go to business school, read all the right books, get do the right, be the right productive, you know, have the right apps, whatever. Masturbate only when absolutely necessary. Then you too can come up with maybe. I'm not no guarantees. You know what I mean? It's all about hard work. That's what it comes down to. Elon Musk knows he's a he's a work he's a fucking workaholic that Elon old musky old muskers where was I uh so Erie streets of Sacramento then there are no bars that can be open so it's just dead we were in Midtown and it was just dead except for this one block on Capitol that was closed off and had tents out in front of the restaurants where people could enjoy the privilege. Can you believe the privilege of sitting down and having somebody bring you food and paying too much for it? Unbelievable. I was just so grateful to the people that made that happen. But seriously, I was because they were fucking miserable. <laughs> because they have to wear a mask and rubber gloves for their entire shift. The waiter comes out. Now, there were no menus. Um, there was a QR code on our table, which fortunately my friend had a smartphone because I don't have a smartphone anymore. I have a flip phone. I tried holding my camera. I have a camera on my flip phone. I took a number of pictures of this QR code and nothing happened. No food appeared. No magic box appeared. No pizza appeared. Fortunately, my friend had a smartphone and the QR code, it just, it just led them to their, their website. Like Q big deal. Fucking QR code just makes your phone go to a website. It's not, it's not magic people. It's not that cool, but whatever. No paper menus, you know, because of obviously the touching another vector for disease, eliminate those. Um, just our, just his phone. And uh, they, we got to take off our masks when we sat down at the table. That was so nice of them. Like, we hadn't even ordered food yet, and we got to take our masks off. <laughs> I was just like, wow, really? Thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you. Oh, basking in my white privilege. Oh, God, not wearing a mask. I'm so lucky. Oh, I'm so lucky. And we got to order, um, order food. She, the waitress came around, and she said, Do you guys want something to drink? And I said, what? Can I, start you, can I start you guys off with some drinks, maybe? And we tried to go through. We were looking through the um, beers, and there were so many beers. Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And uh, we asked for one, and she was like, well, no, we don't have that one. And we are like, what? <laughs> and we actually we don't have that. Dude. You, have to go to the, you have to go to the Sacramento location on the website. I was like, what? She's like, there's different locations on the website. So depending on go to the go to the locations, click on the locations tab in your phone. And my friend he's like, Oh, okay, okay. I was like, No, no, no. we don't need the phone. Like all I need to do is order a beer. Can I I'll, can I have like an IPA? And she's like, You want know, West Coast or East Coast? I was like, Um West Coast, obviously. I'm on the West Coast. And uh, I don't have any other of her lines, but that was kind of how it was. And I found myself talking louder and louder. <laughs> it's like when you're talking to somebody that speaks a different language and you think that it's going to help to talk louder because you don't speak the <laughs> same language. But she could hear me perfectly well. We just couldn't hear her because she had to wear a mask. And I think my friend finally found the website or the location for Sacramento they still didn't have all the beers that were on that list, but we did it. He ordered a beer. I ordered a beer. She brought us beers. We toasted. It's a nice night. The smoke had cleared up. We've had wicked smoke from the wildfires here, like crazy smoky here in Sacramento, like ever since my mom got here like a week ago. It's just been crazy smoky. But last night it really cleared up, 
and it was a nice evening. We got to chat and tell you what, it felt so good to look around and see other people sitting and talking to each other and smiling. Like what a fucking just nice thing to see. I realized that I really like people, big breasts or small breasts. I really like them. I just, I just, it was nice. It's a nice evening. We caught up. Um, you know, Doug, a person, a person that I hadn't seen since way back, and uh, and we connected. And there's probably a lot of people here that I could, should, kind of want to connect with. And then it's just funny that whatever you know, some some are down to hang out and some aren't because of COVID, <laughs> right? I came from Cal- I came from Vermont and. I, I, uh, you know, I went through airports and so I'm basically bringing, I'm bringing disease from Vermont, Chicago, uh, to, and everywhere that anybody had been to in any of those airports, I'm bringing to Sacramento. So obviously if you're afraid about some random thing out there in the world, coming and and killing you then you're not gonna want to you're not gonna want to hang out with me i get it that's cool but um yeah it's nice to it's nice to see folks and mostly it's just nice to be back in this old house and spend some time here and go through all kinds of old shit go through all my old boxes i really thought that i cleaned out a lot of stuff and a couple days into this whole process i was like I've got all, all I've got is these two tiny boxes in my bedroom and that's it. I'm not taking anything else back. And, uh, by the way, my dad sold the house here. That's what's going on. My dad sold our house in Carmichael. Just fucking sold it to some other jokers that are going to live here, I guess, and pretend that this is their house. (laughs) Whatever. I'm totally coming back in 10 years and just walking right in and swimming in their pool. (laughs) What are they going to do? What are they going to do, huh? They're going to sue me? <laughs> Seriously, I think I think it'd probably be fine. Uh so the house is sold, so everything's got to go. I guess but within like, I don't know, there's some what what stuff can you leave? Like we could probably just leave everything. What are they going to do? They were pretty lenient in the contract. They were pretty like pro pro seller which is what you got to do when you're like trying to beat other people to buy a house what a fucking weird situation everybody fighting over how much fake money they're gonna throw at this other person <laughs> fighting over how much debt they're gonna put themselves into and then the, the way you really buy it is you put in like sweet little scenarios like this where my dad has this like he has a week after the closing that he could that he doesn't have to be out that's like a new thing to throw in. Um, I mean, I guess that's probably just going to keep escalating. Like in San Francisco, there are probably going to be people that are like, you can live here for a whole year after you sell your house. I'll buy your house now. <laughs> I should get somebody to do that for my house. Buy my house and let me live there for 15 years. I will totally, I will totally accept that offer. I'll accept a really low offer, actually. <laughs> Oh, brother. But yeah, the house is sold, and so everything's got to go within reason, right? I mean, at some point, it just comes down to a courtesy of, like, are you leaving something cool for them, or are you leaving them, like, the random fucking plastic extra-large tote thing that my dad was using at one point as a gray water uh, recycling system from the kitchen sink? At one point, he had a full-size, no, an extra-large cooler. Like, we're talking, you could put, like, 30 racks in this thing. Probably, like, five of them or something. This Mondo cooler was taking up that much floor space in our, at that time, even smaller kitchen. Because he had, a, he had like, a hole cut in the wall, and, like, the drain was draining into the cooler. <laughs> he had a pump in the cooler. It was pumping it out a hose through another hole in the wall outside into this black tub that was just sitting in the yard, theoretically intended to water the garden. Oh, my God. 
So do you leave that for the <laughs> next owners? You know, those little corners, you got to leave them little nuggets, I think, of just fun, like just a fucking piece of rebar or like a couple two by fours. Like the next person that lives here is going to be so pissed if they're out doing something in the yard and they just need like a fucking two by four or like a rock or like a piece of brick to like do something and there's nothing there. You can't clean out an entire house. You're handicapping the next people. Leave them some useful things in every corner of the yard, you know? A little bowl of marijuana. That'd be nice. A candle. Um, yeah, like a hammer. Well, a hammer you could leave in the shed. And that's the thing in the shed. My dad, or in the house, my dad's like, well, we should leave like some cleaning supplies for them. It's like, eh, I don't know. I guess so. But also, like, they probably have their own fucking cleaning supplies. <laughs> you're not going to get here and be like, we don't have any soap. <laughs> and if they do, they can drive five minutes away. So anyway, a lot of boxing. Boy, I've been turning into a fucking whiz with the packing tape. Really going all out because my dad bought a couple of rolls of packing tape and uh, a couple of, well, two packing tape applicators. <laughs> with the serrated edges, you know, and then a stack of refill tape rolls. And I didn't think we would ever get into the refill tape rolls, but we're about to because the two big, the two original packing tape rolls, you got me, Charlie, we're getting there. We're almost there. The two original packing tape rolls are almost exhausted. Partially because I've been wrapping up paintings with them and just going hog wild with the stuff and wrapping all the way around these like 40, 60 or 60 inch paintings because I think it, I think it kind of helps it like keep, I'm putting a piece of cardboard on the front and instead of just like taping the cardboard to the sides of the painting with fucking blue tape that's just going to come off, I'm just, just rolling, rolling the thing around in some tape. <laughs> Feels great. I've never, I don't often just burn through like man-made you know materials like that but sometimes it's really fun and the packing tape so i'm getting good with the packing tape getting good at putting together boxes um we've used so many boxes and i'm actually staring at them right now it's this tower absolute tower of boxes it's about as tall as i am and it's about good almost five or six feet deep and then another like eight or 10 feet. No, eight, yeah, eight feet wide. It's pretty fucking serious. They're all different sizes. That's not true. Some of them are the same size, but there's no real good organization to it. But they, there's a certain cohesion to the whole thing that um, I don't think they're going to fall over. So it's just a matter of just you get a box flip it over. I've, I've been really good. My parents both struggle at, uh, taping together the bottom of the box and versus the top. And that doesn't really matter because I think boxes are the same, but some of them have built in handles, the actual moving boxes. So in those, in that case, it's good to do it right side up. So anyway, I'm really good at like looking at the labels and figuring out which side goes up. And then I flip it over and I like to put it like against something straight so it doesn't rack, you know? And then if you're dealing with an old box that's a little distended and kind of bloated and smushed out, then you sometimes have to get your knee involved to pinch it together like across ways and then run the tape over it. Um, anyway, I've gotten really good at getting a good tight box packed together and then you just fill it up with shit and then you write on the outside of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it's all just going to go like it's all stuff that is going it's all going to Vermont it's all coming out to Vermont my mom and my sister now live in Vermont of course my brother lives in Vermont I live in Vermont it's all coming to Vermont my dad's moving to Vermont and this is all going to go somewhere but nobody <laughs> nobody's going to need to open one of these boxes <laughs> like nobody is going probably going to open one of these boxes on the first day no one's gonna be like ah oh, finally this arrived it's all just stuff that we cannot excuse throwing away or giving away 
because we have this idea that we're gonna use it because we all have this this like starry-eyed vision of the future wherein we're these incredibly interesting crafty people that are reading all the best books and knitting and going rock climbing and playing with children and doing art projects with kids and like making cool like pillowcase covers and like or just pillowcases and like dressing up in Indian clothes or dressing up in Western clothes <laughs> and playing soccer and doing yoga and teaching yoga and building houses and uh, like making toolkits for people like with extra tools and then reading more and then like hanging up cool little knickknacks all over. We've done pretty well in the knickknacks and uh, I started a free pile out on the street which has really brought the community together. Like I've really had some solid neighborly interactions over people coming by and just poking through our shit and just being like, hmm, I'll take that. I'll take that. It's been a pretty steady flow. There's this one cushion that like no one seems interested in. I don't really understand it. It's been there forever. It's front and center on the display table. And it doesn't have any terrace in it. Like it's it's totally it's a legitimate cushion. And nobody wants it. I don't get it. But other things are just gone like that. <laughs> Including the first table, the folding table that I got the free pile started on. And this was early on. Like me and my mom and my dad. My mom flew back with me. And we just like day one just like dove into, okay, we're going to, the house is sold. We're going to be here for like a week and a half. And we just got to like pack everything up and figure out what moving van we're going to get and what my dad's going to drive and tow and all this shit. So we didn't really have a strategy, you know, we just kind of started figuring it out. And at one point my dad is just like holding up some random backpack and is like, what about this backpack? <laughs> as if, <laughs> as if we we're really going to like go through the process by all of us just together holding up objects and saying, what should we do with this? <laughs> One by one. <laughs> oh, my God. If we had done that, can you imagine how long it would take? <laughs> what should we do with this thing? <laughs> hey, what should we do with this thing? <laughs> and then, like, each one, instead of actually developing a system, what if you decided on each one, like, either donate it, sell it, or throw it in the garbage? And, like, if... to you know, so I mean, you inevitably, you right, you start to develop a system. I made like a box that's like electronic waste. <laughs> I thought that was great. Electro waste. This is the electro waste box. It's got batteries in it. It's got some camping lanterns that don't fucking work. I guarantee, though, if I put those out, somebody would take them. But I'm doing them a favor because I know they don't fucking work. But people love that's the funny thing we've put out so many masses of cables and cords from years of fucking nintendo 64 hg hd tv uh like all different modems and routers different internet services um different computers with different adapters to show the photos on the tv uh dvd player vhs player remote um antenna for the tv uh just like fucking all of this shit in these drawers in the entertainment center just tangles of cords and chargers for old ipods and old iphones and cameras and just fucking tons of shit and i thought like part of that was like this is going to be the electro waste pile is for some of this but i started putting it some of some of it out in the free curve because some of it's like okay this is a usb charging cable and like my brother literally the other day was like came over and was like do you have an extra usb charging cable and i had one extra but that's it <laughs> and so those are useful so i made my own box of like actually useful things and then there were still like seven more fucking usb charging cables um that i put out on the street and those were like gone people went for them like there's i think there's this weird thing where there's people that are poor and this is kind of sad but people that are poor think technology is like the trappings of the rich and the wealthy. And they see cords and they like, 
they still like they want that shit because it makes them feel rich and that's really sad so i'm not going to put out some broke ass lantern that some poor hobo is going to pick up and think works and like he's going to spend all night like poking different charging cables into it trying to figure out how to make it charge and like imagining and like feeling proud of his lantern (laughs) oh my god that's the most depressing fucking concept i think i've explored in quite some time but yeah people really have gone for the and like all of the movies that we've put out there except for exercise movies and actually a lot of the cds just random ass cds people have all taken all of them (laughs) oh my god this one lady came by in the early days the first couple days of the free pile and she's browsing and i was bringing out another box of stuff and i was like hey how's it going she's like hi and um and i was like uh she asked me about the china we put out some good shit in the beginning i put out this fucking set of china from my great great grandmother i kid you not this shit was from the fucking 19th century and my mom had just like she wasn't super attached to it and she had heard something about uh some of that old flatware is the flatware the table the plates and stuff? I don't know. Uh fact check. <laughs> Snopes. Get on that. Um and something about like the lead paint that they use and that it's probably not a good idea to eat off of this stuff. But it was like really old China from England and we just fucking put it out there and I, I made this uh post on Craigslist free and I was just like, here's this cool free pile and I took a bunch of pictures of just the random shit that was out there on day one and I mentioned the China and there was a picture of the China and I must have gotten ten fucking emails about that China. And sure enough, someone had came and snagged it right in the beginning. So um anyway, just basically like I think the lesson there is like actually old old stuff is is increasingly valuable. I think that's the takeaway. Except for this brass bed that we've got that's really cool and nobody has made any inquiries on. So I guess free old stuff is particularly uh, of interest to people. Um, still trying to sell some furniture. Uh, took a load of hazardous materials to the dump today and, uh, just like drove down in fucking North Highlands, Sacramento. Oh my God, dude. It is grim. It's smoky. I mean, the wet, it's, the air's gotten better, but just looking around, it's like your options are becoming so limited in terms of where you're going to be able to shop, um, and what you're going to be able to do. Like, the basketball courts in the parks, the hoops are are gone, so you can't play basketball. The pools are all closed. You can't go, so you can't go swimming. Um, and so, like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna fucking. I think the movie theaters might be closed. I don't know. There's a few restaurants, you know, but they can only serve alcohol if they also serve food, and their waiters are fucking shooting themselves because they have to wear masks and gloves all day long, and. So the only things that are left is like drive around and go to Walmart. And then the bartenders are all out of work. Anybody that was working in the the entertainment industry or the music industry is fucking out of work. So your only options for employment are Walmart (laughs) or contact tracing, I guess. Oh, my God. School teaching? A friend I heard about is a kindergarten teacher and their first year on the job as kindergarten teaching is doing, um, you know, you know, remote learning for kindergartners. (laughs) Oh, it's a challenging new field. It's really interesting. You know, I wonder how they're going to figure out how to how to do it. I mean, I think it's a chance for innovation, don't you? Like, I mean, people always challenges always bring the best out of society. So I have no doubt that we're going to all be better off by our our the fact that our kindergartners have to learn remotely now in front of computers and and just the creativity that that is going to demand from our teachers and I know our teachers are such fucking heroes they're going to come up with ways to teach our children via computer and get them 
you know, get those five-year-olds to sit their asses down in a chair and fucking get to work. <laughs> you know, answer, answer the fucking question. Is that red? Is that apple red? <laughs> oh, man. Um, that might be, <laughs> does that seem like a sign to wrap it up? I don't know. Maybe this is the end of the podcast. Maybe this is the beginning of the podcast, but, um, yeah, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just leave it. I'll just leave it at that for now. Thanks for listening, my dear friends. I really do appreciate your attention and for your tolerating my ranting to you. I hope you know that I love you and I don't I don't want to let yell at you and I appreciate you being uh being this outlet for me. Send me your thoughts. Gabe Roberts at gmail dot com. And if you like the podcast, uh give us a rating or leave a review on iTunes. And enjoy the rest of summertime. Enjoy the sunshine. I hope the smoke clears in the western United States. Let's get some rain. Let's pray for some rain. And let's go help some young people feel excited about life. And let's try to get excited about life ourselves again. Let's try to think about a future that we want to live in. And let's make that happen. All right, friends. Until next time. Adios.